What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Jeremy, go ahead and put up the verse of uh, Isaiah. And Thomas, I heard you say, oh yeah, where are you? I got these lights blinding me. Okay, hey, we're going to be playing youth group's testimony next service, okay? So we got two, two different things going on. All right. So here's a verse in the Old Testament. <clears throat> if God doesn't speak, what do you do with this verse? Do we throw it out? I hear people, God only speaks through his word today. Well, what do you, what do you got, the Bible behind your head? You reading it from back there? And I jokingly say this because for a lot of times I, I was taught things that didn't line up with the word of God. I believe things that weren't in God's scripture. I had experiences that were not God that affected me. And this is why we need to be people that do not live out of our experiences. But we take the word of God and say, God, align my experience with what I read in your word. It's very important. And so what do we do with this verse if our God doesn't communicate to us? What do we do with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Most of the church leans on their own understanding. Might be why we don't see miracles. Because we got to figure it out before we go. We have to have all the money in the bank before we start a project. Last time I checked, Matthew 6.33 says the money follows as I seek his kingdom first. Don't lean on your own understanding in all of your ways, all of your ways, all of your ways. All of your ways. As you trust him, he will direct your path. Not he might, but he will. Well, how does he do that? Through his leading through the leading of the Holy Spirit. If we don't depend on his leading, we're going to be in big trouble. If we don't hear his voice, we're going to be in big trouble. Young, single PBA girls, when that dude walks up to you and says, hey, the Lord told me that you're my wife. Mm-hmm. And I'm a prophet. You just simply say back, that's great. I'll let you know when he tells me. And some of you lean on your own understanding in this area. Well, that person's not my type. What if it's God's type? (laughs) 
I'm not attracted to that person. Well, biblically, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the Oh, Jesus says from the abundance of the heart, the what? Oh, man, the heart is more important than the ooh. But yet, but yet, anyway, see, you're leaning on your own understanding. It's not about what I want. It's what about you. It's, 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 it's what do you want, God? We see in Scripture, biblical God shows up in visions, he shows up in dreams, he spoke through a donkey, he spoke through people, he spoke through a prophet, he wrote on the wall with a hand that just appeared, David put on an ephod and God said, hey, go and fight and capture the people that took his family from Ziklag. And obviously, God speaks through creation as well, and he's still speaking now. How do we know that? Scripture. For what has been known about God is plain to them, Romans 1.19, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they're without excuse. Every person on earth is without excuse. Why? Because God speaks through his creation. Only a fool can look at creation and say there is no God. You have to create in your mind craziness to believe something came from nothing. And it evolved. Verse 21 of of Romans 1, for although they knew God, they knew God? Yeah, they knew God. They didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Before we go any further, we see God's not limited in how he can communicate. He communicates every day, all day through his creation. You can't look in a telescope and see all the stars and say, there's no God. You must say, there must be a God. You can't look under a microscope and see what Darwin saw because he saw a blob when it came to cell. Now we have what's called science. He wasn't in science. He was in a false belief system because he didn't have the information. We now have the information through DNA research, and there's no way evolution can be true because of DNA. It's called intelligent design. Your school taught you wrong. I want you to turn to 2 Peter 1. This is often not myth. This is often miss, but it's very, very important. Because people have a wrong view about miracles, signs, and wonders that's not biblical. 2 Peter 1, and again, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We're always going to come back to that, even though we haven't went to that. I'm just letting you know. 1 Peter 1, 17, and this is the Apostle Peter, verse 17, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
God spoke that from heaven, everybody heard it. Again, God can do that. He could do that if he wants to do that, right? Who are, be careful when God can't do something. This is what he did. He may do it again. Verse 18, we ourselves heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place. God's word, Psalm 119. I can't remember which one it is, but it says God's, read the whole chapter, okay? It'll take you, take you some time. God's word, Robbie, I know you know it. It's a wanna's, a verse. God's word is a lamp, a light into my feet and a lamp into my path. Psalm 119, what is that? 11. Thank you. We have a lamp, guys. It's the word of God. Verse 20, knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, again, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. It is the breath of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. Scripture wasn't written by man, but it was written by the rhema word coming through the prophets, and they wrote it down. This is why we have Scripture. A lot of people believe God doesn't speak prophetically anymore. Well, what do you do with this verse? What do you do with Jesus' words in John 10, where he says, when he brought out all his own, he goes before him and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger's voice they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Was that just for the 12 then? Was that just for the early church? Or just maybe that's for us today because the message is the same from Jesus. Follow me. Doesn't change. Well, how do I follow someone who's not leading me and directing me and guiding me by the power of his Holy Spirit? Now, does he lead through his word? Yes. But he also leads through dreams and visions through donkeys, through creation. He's always leading. He wants to communicate to his kids. Think about this for a second. What kind of dad would say, hey, I wrote you this long book. I'm glad you're my son, and here's these 66 letters. I don't ever want to talk to you again. I don't want to have a relationship with you again. You just read my book, and when you read that, you'll get to know me. But please don't expect me to show myself to you. What kind of dad would do that? That would be a what? Bad dad. Now, no disrespect on Scripture. If you know me and you know this church, we put Scripture above every dream, above every donkey, 
above every vision, above every writing on the wall, above everything anybody would ever say. It's scripture over everything, over every prophetic word. If it doesn't line up with scripture, we ain't trying to hear that, bro. And this is where the church gets in trouble, by the way, because there's a disrespect and a dishonor for scripture. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. My people are tossed to and fro like waves by every wind of doctrine. Why? Because they do not know God's word. God has, let me tell you something. I failed ninth grade. It took me six years to get my community college degree. But I asked the Lord for a love for his word and the gift to help me memorize his word. And I believe God's given that to me. Have you ever asked him for that? Psalm 138, verse 2, King James Version. You have exalted your word above your name. ESV says you have exalted your word on par with your name. Think about this for a second. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at the name of what? Jesus. And God puts his word on par with his name and above his name if you're new King James. And, And really, you know, Father, we repent because we've not put your word where you put your word. And we should all be repenting in our heart right now myself included. It's his breath. His word, his word, his word. You see in Acts chapter 13, the apostles, they were praying and fasting and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. So here in the New Testament, we see God speaking to the church that were praying and fasting. It's it's also amazing. I don't know if they were wanting the calling. I think they were loving Jesus to love Jesus. And while they were doing that, the calling came anyway. So how do we know where to go if he doesn't speak? Directional prophecy. A lot of people believe God doesn't do what he did anymore. It was only for the establishment of the church. I understand that doctrine. That's okay. I get it, and I know why people believe what they believe, but I just want to challenge you. I want you to turn to James 5, please. We're almost to 1 Corinthians 12, by the way. This is still the intro. That's why we're doing two messages today. And you're welcome to stay. James 5, 14. You're going to see here the Bible is always encouraging us to live as if the gifts were active and alive today. Well, why do you say that? Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Very rarely do we get a call from sick people to come to the elders for prayer. This is why I tell that I I had us all, we repent, God, for not believing your word. 
Notice, let him call. Some of you with quote-unquote church hurt, you got offended because you were sick and nobody came. Huh? We're not supposed to come. You're supposed to call. Now, Chris, you can still come. I know I can. I'm just trying to make a point. When you see a need, you should try to meet it, right? But maybe I didn't know because you didn't call. Maybe we didn't know because you didn't call. You got a responsibility, church. Call. So come find out. He's an elder. He'll give you his number, okay, after the service. You call him. Anoint, <laughs> anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Why is that there? Because some people are in sin, and that is why they're sick. If that messes with your theology, just hold on. We're going to get to that a little while later, maybe in this service or the next. Therefore, confess your sins for one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. Why are you righteous? Because of the blood of Jesus, not from your works. So as I stand in Christ, my prayers have great power. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just pointing to you to the scripture and I'm standing in my identity. I am, according to 2 Corinthians 5, again, this is why scripture is so important. 2 Corinthians 5, it says that he made him who knew no sin become sin for us that we might become the what? Righteousness of God. Isaiah 61 says that we are priests of God. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, I'm a priest of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7 verse 9, I am a royal priest. I am part of the kingdom of God. And so when I pray for someone, I pray not in my own strength, but in the righteousness of God. And when I stand in his righteousness, there's great power that's released. Why do I believe that? Because it says that. And let me just say, listen, all that stuff, it just flies in my head. It's not here. Why does it fly in my head? Because I'm asking the Holy Spirit, speak your word through me, God. Not me, not me, you. Give me the gift of memorization. See, what happens when you memorize scripture, it goes into a computer, if you will. And you've hidden your word in his heart that you might not sin against him. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what scripture says, right? And so I hide this word in my heart. And when I feel like a verse coming to my mind, I trust that it's the Holy Spirit bringing up what I have poured in because I've stored good treasure in my heart. But if you don't see God's word as a treasure and you haven't stored it and you haven't honored it, Honored it above what you believe, what you think, what you feel. So many of our church, listen, here's a, here's a doctrine right now in our society. I had somebody say to me recently, I lost my voice under your ministry. Okay, okay. I'm still praying how to respond. My first inclination is this. Lord, help me. Because that's terrible doctrine. Terrible doctrine. You cannot lose your voice in a ministry, in a church, 
under somebody's leadership. You can't lose your voice. Why do I know that? Because 1 Peter 4.11 says, when you speak, speak the very words of God or the oracles of God. So when I speak, it's not my voice. I want it to be the Lord's voice. And the other scripture, Paul says, the word of God is not chained. He was in prison. They tried to silence his voice, and we're reading it today. Don't believe the doctrine that you can lose your voice. You don't lose your voice. You cannot lose your voice. If you're silent, the rocks may cry out. Rocks aren't going to lose their voice anyway. So that's where I am, but pray for me. Because I want to be loving when I give that teaching. Because somebody feels hurt. They feel like they lost their voice. They feel like they did. But what you feel might not be real. Say that, church. What you feel might not be Mmm. I feel. Is there a verse for that? Listen, you might want to write that down, Christian. I feel. Is there a verse for that? Feelings, nothing more than old school shout out. Verse 17, and let me finish. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Why is Scripture saying this? Why is Scripture telling us this story? Because we need to expect, as New Testament believers, under a better covenant than Elijah had, by the way, that God just might, just might cause us to stand and pray in his righteousness, believing in faith that he's going to do something. I can't pray like Elijah. That's not what Scripture is trying to get you to do. He's, God is wanting you to begin to stand. Yeah, I might, God might use me like Elijah as I stand in the righteousness of Christ. He might, he might. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Whew. First Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12.1, now concerning gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You might want to highlight that. God does not want his church ignorant regarding the gifts. He doesn't want you to be uninformed. A lot of controversy around this, but listen, Scripture says, study to show yourself approved. A worker that can rightly divide the word of God, rightly divide it. If God says, I don't want you uninformed, that means he's going to give you understanding concerning all the gifts. Let me say that one more time, because I don't think you heard me. If he said... I don't want you uninformed. He's going to give you the wisdom to begin to understand it and not be offended by it, not be shaken by it, because I've seen some crazy things. I've seen gifts gone bad. I've seen them used wrong. But we don't need to be uninformed. We don't need to be fearful. This is why also same type of language Paul uses. He says, 
he says to the church, he's, he's like, we're not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. It's in chapter 11, verse 3 of either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I believe. We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. You know, there's, there's over 20 schemes of the enemy listed in the Bible, but the church often is ignorant of the enemy's schemes. But that's not God's fault. That's our fault because we don't train in such a way where we, when somebody speaks to me, we can say, hey, get behind me, Satan. Now, you better be sure it's Satan, by the way. You're going to give somebody issues. <laughs> Amen? But, but at least say, hey, wait a minute. Ah, hold off on that. Let me test that real quick. I, I, it just doesn't sound right. So much of the church is uninformed. So much of the church with gifts have gone sideways, and a lot of it has to do with our upbringing of where we were raised. It's the, the and Jeremy, if you can cue the video for me. It's, it's we become a lot, and we do things and think in the house we're raised in. And to make my point, I'm going to ruin worship for some of you, but please forgive me. Go ahead, Jeremy. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to, I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you wanna go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow. We got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar, you go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, Grace. Next one's hold my baby, hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. <laughs> Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. <laughs> and when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. There you go. So what's up with that? Again, 
again, we laugh, and I am so sorry because some of you are like, crap. You know, you know when, the, when the music plays at the end today, you're going to be like, uh, you know, I'm going to just keep it here, you know. Small screen, small screen. So, and I'm so sorry to ruin that. He has another video uh, called The Hedge of Protection where he jokes about people praying a hedge of protection. He's like, what does Satan have, uh, hedge clippers? He, I, I, I can't get through this hedge. Is, a, is, is, is Satan scared of shrubbery? I'd like a, not a hedge of protection. I want an iron wall or a dome. Anyway, so he ruins a lot of stuff for me, so I don't recommend him. All of those are good at bow down except for washing the window. No, I'm just kidding. Those are all good. But look, if we can't laugh at ourselves, we're in big trouble. One of my friends and mentors, Dr. John Stanko, says this. Our God is a good father, but he has some pretty weird children. (laughs) Hey, can I get a witness? I want you to keep your place here, turn to Acts 10.38. It's really, really important that you see this because 1 John 2.6 says, if we claim to be in Christ, we must walk as Jesus walked. Jesus is our example, guys. He's our example. And that is the one who we follow. That is who we want to look like, 1 John 2.6. If anyone claims to be in Christ, they will walk, they must walk as Jesus walked. So we want to walk like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus walk? Thanks for asking. Acts 10, 38. Let's look at it. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You might want to highlight that. Jesus was a man just like us. He was fully man, but fully God. Jesus didn't do gifts, uh, uh, miracles, signs, and wonders because he was Jesus. But he did gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit because God anointed him. That's why his first message in Luke 4, which he was referencing, Acts 61, which says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to those who are in bondage, to heal up the brokenhearted, that those people that are blind would receive sight. He, he's saying this message is fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the form of a dove at his baptism. And then he began to do ministry. Now, I've never seen a line in church before where we call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of you leaving after you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you go out into Okeechobee for 40 days and 40 nights and eat nothing. That would be a short line, wouldn't it? But that's Jesus. Who wants that baptism of the Holy Spirit? We throw around things like baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know what we're asking for. In Peter, it says that when you're persecuted for the name of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Who wants that baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, we just want the one that 
can make us laugh and giggle and flop around like a fish. Right? That's, that's, that's what we've seen, right? But where's the one that sends us to fast for 40 days? The one that Jesus had. Well, I don't know if I want that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, when again, when we look at Jesus, we see a person who is the most spirit-filled, and I hate that word. The reason why, it's because every Christian, according to Ephesians 1.13, is sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. So again, the divisive terminology, oh, that church isn't spirit-filled. Listen, if they're not spirit-filled, it's not a church. Ephesians 1.13, I know what you're trying to say, but please stop saying it because it's causing division, and it's putting another church down, which is the bride of Christ, who Christ bled and died for, making them feel like they're a second-class citizen because they've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Don't do that. You've had your experiences with God, and we will have experiences with God here, not because of what we do. How do I know that? John 3, 27, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. Listen, some of you may get, get your gift today. Some of you may not. Why? He's God, I'm not. If he decides to give, you'll get. If he decides not to give, you're not going to get. It doesn't mean you don't ask, though. So here's Jesus, the most spirit-filled man alive. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God is with you too, let me, let me just say. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, you, he is with you right now. Jesus... Nobody walked in the spirit like Jesus ever did on the face of the earth. And, and let me just say this. Not one time did we see him speaking in tongues. Hello, church. Now, there is a passage in Hebrews where it said he let out cries and groans. So it may fit there. But in all four gospels, never one time was he speaking in another language. Never one time did we see Jesus flop on the ground like a fish out of control. Now, I've seen it happen. I've seen some crazy, crazy stuff. But again, we want to look at Jesus and we want to say, okay, I shouldn't be uninformed about these gifts. I look at Jesus and I say, okay, help me, Jesus, to focus on you, not on the circus ole that's going around me sometimes in the church today. Not on my past denomination or experiences. Help me to focus on you and your word. I want you to turn to Jude 3. Please, excuse me, not Jude 3, Jude verse 3, because there's only, there's only one chapter. Some of you are like, are freaking out with gifts, and some of you are more charismatic, are freaking out because you know tongues and all that. You're like, where's he going? See, I want to offend everybody in here today. 
because we've got to understand both sides and we've got to see the shortcomings of both sides. And once we get all that, we still got to Philippians 2, 3, honor one another or consider one another better than ourselves because we're all fallible. Jude 3, it says, Beloved, verse 3, <laughs> Beloved, although I was very eager to write you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to, uh, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered by the saints. You want to highlight that, please. Very important. Bow down, church. There is never any new doctrine. There is no new doctrine outside of the Bible. It was settled and delivered once and for all to the saints. Doctrine settled. And see, here's what happens in the church, verse 4. Certain people, they creep in unnoticed. They creep in unnoticed. What do you mean unnoticed? Yeah, they, they, they worship with the touchdown. They're passionate about God. They know some scriptures, but they come in unnoticed. You see, this is why we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We need people in the church to walk with the discerning of spirits. Hey, something's off there. Something's off there. I'm discerning something that's off. What is that? That might be a gift. You might not be judgmental. You just may be given the gift of discerning of spirits. And the enemy's trying to twist that on you to make you feel, feel bad because you're judging people. Well, we never judge people to condemn people. We judge people in order to move close in order to fix them. Because they have a speck in their eye. I got a log in my eye. Once I get my log out, I can help. I can see clearly get that speck. Hey, say, I need my speck out. Everybody, please say this. I need my speck out. Yeah. So turn to your neighbor and say, please get your log out. Turn to your other neighbor. Please get your log out. Yeah, Chris, you're tripping today, man. Yeah, no, I don't want the church tripping over bad doctrine. Doctrine settled. Be careful of people coming in long ago that were designated for this condemnation, continuing in verse 4. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and, and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means this. People that sin, defiling the flesh, they per pervert the grace of God, and they say, I'm covered by the blood. I'm covered by the blood, so I just do what I want. Listen, that is not God. And you are not covered by the blood to do whatever you want. God will understand. God will forgive you. Bad doctrine. They pervert the grace of God into sensuality, meaning it's okay to give in to your lust. It's okay to give in to your sexual desire. God will understand. It's okay if we shack up together. God will understand. Yeah, no. No. He says, be holy as I am holy. And you have the Holy Spirit. Do not defile your temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not bring defilement into it. God is holy. The Holy Spirit's holy. 
I remember a local worship pastor that got busted with an, under, an undercover homosexual sting operation. He was brought before the church. The pastor said, this guy's got to go. The deacon board told the local pastor, he said, he's not going to go. You don't understand grace. And the pastor said, and Bill can testify because he knows what church I'm talking about. The, pa- the pastor said, if he doesn't go, I'm leaving. And the deacon board said, bye-bye. Bye, Felicia. What is that? That's, that's a deacon board that crept in unnoticed, that doesn't understand this person because they, 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 they were in a pattern of, of unrepentant sin, had disqualified themselves from ministry. And they had a false grace. And by the way, that affected the community because the kingdom of God was hindered because of that. I want you to look at, at, at Jude 8, please. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on dreams. Well, wait a minute, Chris. You just said dreams. God speaks through dreams. Yeah, he speaks through dreams, but we don't rely on dreams above Scripture. We don't rely upon dreams above Scripture. In Acts 10, Peter had a dream or a vision. Joseph, the father of Jesus, had a dream and was led by that. Joseph of the Old Testament had a dream. It came to pass 17 years later. Listen, God speaks through dreams. He speaks through dreams, but we don't rely on dreams above Scripture. We take the dream and we test it. And we say, what what does Scripture say about this? I remember one. I can't get into that one. Jude 8. They defile the flesh, meaning sexual sin, greed, gluttony. They're defiling the flesh. It's okay to watch Yellowstone. Defiling the flesh. I know I got somebody. Jude 8. Because somebody told me I should watch it, and I had to shut that thing down, man. That was defiling my flesh. The Holy Spirit's holy. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jude 8, here's another, here's another one. They reject authority. Listen, God works through authority, guys. Old Testament and New Testament, he works through authority. And so you're always going to be under authority. I'm under authority. I've told you before that I'm under the elder's authority. I can't just say, hey, I want to raise. They have to say that. They have to approve that. Listen, I wanted to fire somebody one time because they really, really upset me, and I was in my flesh. I brought it to the other board, and I got voted down. They were right for that time, but ultimately I was right anyway. That's another story. (laughs) My timing was just off, and it was off. Anyway, Jude 8, they blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil, he was disputing about the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment and said, the Lord rebuke you. Listen, was talking to a demon, the Lord rebuke you. 
there was no disrespect or dishonor towards that demon. Think about that for a second. Blaspheme glorious ones? Sometimes we've got to be very, very careful. The spirit realm is a real realm. And here this guy had insight. Michael, he said, the Lord rebuke you. What humility. But I hear people just flippantly say stuff that's just crazy. I'm like, haven't you read Jude? And unfortunately, again, we have such bad doctrine in the church of Jesus Christ because we spent more time with Hillsong than the word of God. Nothing against Hillsong. Uh, maybe a couple things, but listen. <laughs> I'm thankful for him, but any, anyway, help me, God. So for me, in the demonic, I say, in the name of Jesus, go where Jesus Christ of Nazareth commands you to go. And we put the cross of Christ in between this and the demonic. And we ask, Father, that there would be no more coming back. We pray against what you said, Jesus, that when a, a demon's cast out and it finds no place of rest, it comes back with seven more, and that person's worse. And so we ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit to come into every area of that person's life, that they will stop their sinning. So John chapter 5, when Jesus healed the guy, he said this to him, stop your sinning or something worse will happen to you. Some people want healed, but they don't want to stop sinning. So many people, we've broken ties, but then you go right back with your baby mama. And you continue your life of sin. So again, church, Jude 3. It's necessary to, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered by the saints. You'll never hear any new doctrine here at Bow Down. Never going to hear anything outside of God's word. There's no new doctrine. I want you to turn to Galatians 1, please. I was listening to a group that I like called The Upper Room. And they have a song called This Is How I Thank the Lord, and I really, really like the song, and I'm singing it, and I'm singing it, and then all of a sudden, it says this. It says, you assume the best of me. And I'm like, all right, hold on one second. God doesn't assume anything. He's God. He knows the beginning from the end. And again, <laughs> I'm not trying to come against up a room because... I believe they're brothers and sisters. What I'm trying to do is to teach our church, just because somebody's popular doesn't mean their doctrine's good. Because again, some people spend more time singing to God, and they've gotten away from the passage where Jesus, he does, the Father, John 4, the Father is desiring worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. God does not assume anything. Bad doctrine.
I do not want to denounce this ministry. Whoever wrote that song is just immature in their doctrine. They made a mistake. Too much time singing, not enough time in the Word. Listen, reading and memorizing Scripture is the same form of worship as singing. Because it's God's breath. You're loving what he said. And some of us are like, singing is real worship. No, reading and memorizing his word is on par with singing and praising and worshiping. And we need to repent and get it there. Both are worship. Because he desires worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I'm astonished. Keep in mind, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. So he's writing to Christians. I'm astonished that you're quickly discerning, deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and were turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one you preach to you, let him be accursed. You might want to highlight that. As we've said before, so I now say again, anyone preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you receive, let him be accursed. There is no new doctrine. There is no new gospel. Now, is there new teaching around the gospel? Yeah. Local pastor, Jimmy Scroggins, he has this three-circle presentation. Same gospel, different presentation. It's the same gospel. You and I have sinned against a holy God. All of us have sinned. And we are broken beyond repair. But yet, God looked at our condition because he loved us. And he said, and he demonstrated his love that while we were in sin, Christ died for us. And the cross is Jesus saying, I love you. I want to take away your sins. I want to take the punishment that you deserve. Because you have sinned against me. You've rebelled against a holy God. And so I want to do that because I love you. And he died and he lived a sinless life and he was buried. And in three days he rose again and he is alive right now. He is alive right now. And when you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus and what he did on the cross, acknowledging that you are a sinner through and through and that you can't do life apart from God, that's why the entrance into the kingdom is Matthew 5, 3, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's two words for poor in the Greek. One was used for the widow's might. She had a little, she was poor, but she had a little. The word that's used here doesn't mean she had a little. It means destitute. It means nothing. It means you bring nothing to the table. It means apart from God, I can't do anything. I can't save myself. I can't do right. I can't make it without him. I need a savior. And I say, God, I want to turn from my sins and just follow you. I give my life to you. I surrender all because I know apart from you, I can't do anything. And when you pray that prayer of faith, asking Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Lord and your Savior, you become born again by the Holy Spirit. And the, resurrected life, the resurrection and the resurrected life of Christ comes and lives inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Christianity then becomes, it's not about me, Christ, live your life through me. And you spend the rest of your life in discipleship learning how to get out of the way of God. It's a simple gospel. It's a very simple gospel. 
It's all equal at the foot of the cross. The gospel doesn't change and there's no new doctrine. Have I made my point on that? Well, that's good. 1 Corinthians 12, verse... <laughs> and I'm two minutes over. That's why, that's why I'm going for two, guys. And let me just say this, American church, we've been so babied, and we've been so seeker-sensitive out that we can't, you know, we get antsy. I'll never forget the church that I visited in China in the Hunan province where persecution was real. They had to sneak us in at night under cover of darkness. We were in a compound. They wouldn't allow us to leave the compound. And when someone would come to the gate, we had to go hide. And we got in late that night under the cover of darkness. And at 5 a.m. in the morning, I hear all this banging. I'm like, what are they doing, playing hockey? I roll over, more banging. Ten minutes later, singing, worshiping. I'm like, bro, this doesn't start till 9, it's 6. Yeah, they came to worship at 6 a.m. But it doesn't start till 9. Yeah, 6 a.m. And all that banging, you know what that was? That was a little wooden stool that they all sat on. And for nine hours... We taught them. Their church leader said, if you don't have somebody that can't preach four hours, tell them not to come. So, hey, that's why I went. <laughs> I was made for China. That's why my ministry's not growing here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Playing with you. Listen, the Apostle Paul, right? Remember the guy that fell out of the window because Paul kept going all night long? That's what I'm talking about. So we would preach for about two hours, and then we'd switch. In the afternoon, I'm sitting in the side at around 2 o'clock. You guys know what 2 o'clock is, right? Bill, you know. It's coffee time. It's coffee time. Can I get a witness? So I'm in the conference. I'm listening to my buddy speak in China. Everybody's still sitting down, and everybody's taking notes. No judgment. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I want a cup of coffee. It's 2 o'clock. And I'm looking at these precious people who, by the way, wore the same outfit for three days in a row. Who, by the way, put me and our group in a room and they fed us donkey. They fed us fish they f with eyes looking at you. And then when I went out to go to the bathroom, which was a hole in the ground, they were all eating porridge. They saved up weeks to feed us donkey. And I'm sitting there after lunch, 2 o'clock, coffee, and I'm thinking, most conferences in America I don't go to because I looked and see who's going to be there. Are they good enough? Is it Francis Chan going to be there? And we're more concerned with the speaker than we are of the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm back, back to the coffee. This is why you got to pray for me. I also know at most conferences at 2 o'clock, I can go downstairs to the lobby of the church and get a cup of coffee. I went over there to teach. The reality is they, sh- they were teaching me what it looks like to really worship Jesus. Anyway, Father, worship team, come on up. We want to worship you. We want to give you what you deserve. God, we pray that your church would not be ignorant concerning the gifts, but understanding that we walk forth with confidence, knowing that you have declared everyone who asks receives, those who seek finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. And if we who are evil, we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our Father want to give us good gifts to those who ask? And so, God, I just pray against offense with the gifts. I pray against ignorance with the gifts. And I pray you would raise your church up to be able to walk in the gifts that you want to give us. So, God, we ask for your help. We ask, God, that you would help us to worship you and adore you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.